98FM. Now, that's what I call Sport Podcast. Keith Andrews, welcome back to 98FM. How are you? Cheers, pal. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, of course, we're here for the Spar Primary School 5's launch taking place again this summer. When you were a kid in Dublin, what do you remember about playing football on the streets and being a young street footballer and the old jumpers for goalposts and all that sort of stuff? Did you play much as a kid? Ah, uh, non-stop. From, from when you get up in the morning, first thing you think about, into school, thinking, can you bring a ball? Can you bring a tennis ball into school? We weren't allowed to really play, so we were kicking bits and bobs around the, the schoolyard at lunch break and then literally as soon as you get home from school live next to the green in Elamount, three doors down from us so out there and then conjuring up kind of little in cul-de-sacs around the corner like goals to get back to the garages and playing across but obviously times have, have changed um, imagine how bad I was if I wasn't out on the streets playing morning, noon and night my touch would have been horrendous so yeah it's just the way times have changed but loved it was obsessed with it all sports really but obviously football being the main one yeah, and it's great now when we're at the Aviva in the summertime and you see the four pitches going and all the young kids playing from primary schools. But as you said, it doesn't happen all the time now. And even lots of primary schools have banned kids from running in the schoolyard and, and sort of stuff as well. And kids on the streets, I know I spoke to, had Graham Burke on the show recently, he was saying the same thing. He just had a football every single day in town. And even when he was home recently, he was saying he didn't see any kids out playing. No, you don't. It's unfortunate. Obviously, you need to be more careful in this day and age and you need to be more protective of kids and you can't just let them go out and roam the streets like... I used to when I was when I was a kid and there was a trust element just come back in when it's dark come back in for your tea it's it's unfortunate um, and some kids haven't got the, the luxury of a park next to their house so yeah it's, it's, it's the way of the world now technology as well plays a part in that some of them would rather sit in front of the, the Playstation or the Xbox and play that rather than get out and run around with their mates and it's up to the adults of this world to push that and, and try and get them playing in the backyard and are going out training in the right way but then on the flip side of that some clubs and schools they try and stop them playing too much oh you've had enough this week whereas geez, I would have gone straight from Gaelic training after school into football training with my club and Stella Mars and matches non-stop and didn't do me any harm How much of your skill and your ability as a footballer was learned as a kid because you know they say people have different opinions on the age when you kind of stop developing your skill and you start developing maybe your tactically and stuff but you know how much of, of an influence was being like a kid playing football in Dublin to you as to your, to your career I suppose yeah it's it's a bit of a bugbear in mind because when more so in England with the, the academies in England when they're brought in too young you lose that little bit of just going and playing and obviously the the society we live in now it's it's difficult for even kids to go out and do that, but I would say a lot. And the hours that you spend kicking a ball against the wall in your backyard and playing two-touch with your mates, smashing balls in the park and playing against older kids in the park, that would toughen you up and you knew you couldn't take liberties with them. So I would say I played a, a major part. I'm sure one man who was maybe playing a bit of football on the streets of, of England in his youth was uh, Mr Declan Rice. Happy 20th birthday this week to him. What have you made of the, the FAI's picture of him in the New Ireland jersey, even though we think the photos were taken last May? Happy birthday to Ireland International at Declan Rice, 20. Well, he is an Ireland International, um, <laughs> and hopefully he remains an Irish International. I have to be honest, I would have been one of the ones that was angry when he first decided to press pause on his on his international career and look at the option of England and just look after club form for the time being, that that's certainly decreased in recent months. And I'm just hopeful that he can come back and play for us because I think he'd revolutionise the team. I think he's that good and seen a lot of them underage for Ireland, 21s. Didn't really surprise me too much how well he adapted in, in the three internationals that he played. A couple of Man of the Match awards, one of them which I gave him. Um, fingers crossed how good 
can he be for Ireland and what position do you see him playing for us? Yeah, go back six months ago, nine months ago, what's his best position? I was torn because I'd seen a lot of him at centre-half and I felt centre-half wise wouldn't be an issue. The way he's played holding midfield in the last six months in the Premier League and just got games by the scruff of the neck, the positions he picks up tactically, out of possession, where he sits, where he stands, phenomenal. He's so mature in the way he plays the game. He plays the game like a 30-year-old that has played 300 and 400 games. Obviously, in last week with Fernandinho's replacement at Manchester City, sign him. I think he's that good. I really do. And that's not with my biased Irish glasses on. I watch a lot of football in England. And tell me someone else at that age that is playing in that of a responsible role within a team. It's normally a speedy winger that breaks onto the scene or a striker that has pace that can nick a goal and that you throw in at that type of age. It's very, very rare. You have a holding midfielder playing that regularly in the Premier League to that level consistently. He hasn't come out of the team. He's been that impressive. He's kept his place from literally the first few games of the season. Um, I've been blown away by what he's done. Will there be any issues with acceptance among the Ireland squad? You know, the senior players, the younger players, the fans, there are sure to be some people who feel the fact that he's paused for so long, we shouldn't take him back. And other people who want the team to do well will say, well, he's actually, you know, he could be our best midfielder, so therefore we definitely have to take him back and accept him. But will there be, if you were still in the squad, would there be an issue, you know, taking him back in? I think he'd probably get a little bit of stick in the first couple of days. I think that'll quickly be parked up and moved on because I think they all know how good he is. And... Again, I go back to what I said about initially I would have been a little bit angry about the whole scenario. When I took a step back, maybe looked at it from his perspective, the age he is, the contract situation, playing playing first-team football, Premier League football, Gareth say, OK, knocking on the door, the fact that he is born in England, in London. Difficult scenario for the, for the young man. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give him a pass and pray that he comes back. And I think the lads will be the same. I don't think it'd be a big issue. Um, so yeah fingers crossed it happens Is he a possible future Ireland captain and if so what would he bring to that role he is now just turned 20 so he's still very very young but he has been tipped as you know he, he does lead by example and he's a player who you know in the Ireland shirt could play for 12 or 13 more years Without a shadow of a doubt he's, he's a captain in waiting you'd have to say when, when Seamus uh, whenever that will be relinquishes the armband He's the obvious candidate, isn't he? You've got people like Shane Duffy, Hendrick Brady that would have more experience and big, big players. But the way he is, the way he plays, the maturity, the composure, the way he leads by example, he's vocal already at the age he is on football pitches. He marshals his team. Uh, you see it at stadiums as well. You don't always see it on, the, on, on TV with the angle of the camera. He's constantly getting onto his teammates and putting people into positions. Again, that's... That's like someone who's 30 years of age who's played hundreds of league games under his belt and has that assurity and composure about his, his own game. He's not just worried about him. He's marshalling the whole team and organising. So he will be an obvious candidate to, to captain us ongoing. And just on the international scenario overall, Brian Kerr was very strong last week saying that he feels that if, if a player plays a senior game for a country, you know, even this week talks about uh, Nathan Redmond from Southampton playing for Ireland, Martin O'Neill is trying to speak to him. He's played for England in a friendly in 2017. Mm. Same for Declan Rice, he could play for England having played three games for Ireland. What's your opinion on, 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 on that point of view that once you've played, even if it's not competitive, that's it? I agree with it. I think it should be as soon as you play that minute at senior international I can at underage I can I can accept it to a degree because 
can you really expect a 15, 16, 17 year old kid to, to make that type of monumental decision that's going to affect the rest of his, his playing career? Realistically, you shouldn't be expecting that. But as soon as you play a senior international game, I think that needs to be it, regardless of it being a, uh, a competitive game. And I think that's something that UEFA need to look at. So we've heard that Mick McCarthy has been very busy meeting players and he, in fairness to him he's been at every award ceremony that has been in Ireland over the last month as well, you know, getting, getting to meet people and stuff as well. When you look at the fixtures and the first fixture against Gibraltar in March and the final fixture I think in November, like his stint as manager is actually going to be so short when he was appointed like late last year and it's eight matches, it's probably only eight months like and, and it kind of brings home the, you know, the debate of was this the right or wrong decision but his stint will actually be so short and those eight competitive games are going to be huge for him he's got a couple of months to go and he's very busy but god it's going to be a short time for him as manager unless he gets to the Euros of course in which case it will be a little yeah. bit longer well it's just so condensed isn't it right it's, it's like when you're talking about Darren Murphy maybe sending an SOS out well it might only be like six months March, November or six, seven months it's, it's, it's bonkers really when you think about it. the whole situation is obviously unusual it's not it's unheard of really you come in Stephen takes over hopefully Mick gets us to the Euros it's a nice position to be in um, but yeah you're right it's, it's like it's happened so quickly after Martin and Roy leaving Mick takes over he does does his usual due diligence goes and watches the game contact with the players um, and then once March gets up and running it's just going to go 100 miles an hour certainly when we get post June it goes September, October, November it's going to be relentless um, so Mick's obviously going to be looking at it short term impact right here right now he's going to have to pray that as many of our big players are up to speed come March for these big games, playing regularly, playing well at club level. I've no doubt he'll do a good job. I've no doubt he will create an environment that the players want to come into. I don't think that was the case. They'll enjoy coming in. They'll enjoy the way he wants to play. Um, and hopefully he can get us over the line. Yeah, and you spoke about big players and to debate recently, even on your own show on, on Off the Ball, about Matt Doherty and Seamus Combo being in the team. Had Matt on the like Sport about a month ago and, and he was just saying he's very happy with his own form. But And of course, Mick McCarthy is the one who signed him from Bohemians here in Dublin for Wolves all those years ago. We had Seamus on after winning the Nationals in the summer. He was saying the same, that he's trying to get back to his best form. They both have to play, don't they? And, and if so, who, who's, who's the one sacrificed to play left back when they're both very good right back? Yeah, some, something's going to have to give. I don't think Mick would go down the route of playing three at the back. And maybe I've said this before in the Martins round where if that was the type of system I would have put Matt Doherty as the right wing back, Seamus Coleman as the right side of a three centre halves. Some people felt the opposite. Matt Doherty would be better in that role. I think it'll be a back four. Um, will he play Matt in front of Seamus Coleman on the right hand side? Possibly against the, the bigger teams in the group. Not Certainly not for the first two, I wouldn't imagine. Left back will be the obvious option. Um, there's not a nail down left back. Steve Ward's obviously been injured. We've got and the Stevens playing very well, but he's more of a left wing back. Who would play there? I'd probably offer Matt Doherty to play left back. Um, he played there a season for Wolves. Probably a little bit more versatile in that position. Has he has to pick both of them? I hope he picks both of them. But it's certainly going to be a dilemma for him, and a nice dilemma though, because in certain other areas where we're lacking, that's a position. And you show Cyrus into the equation as well, who's playing frequently, regularly at, at, at Premier League level. Um, it, he's, he's got good options in that area of the pitch, so it's, an, it's a nice headache for a manager to have. Yeah, I'm certainly really looking forward to March, to the first couple of games. We're away, of course, 
in the first game against Gibraltar and home to Georgia. How much are you looking forward as a former international and now a journalist and a fan to just watching a new Ireland playing? And you know, there's definitely a feel good factor around at the moment with the new manager and, and you know the news hopefully on Declan Rice and stuff. But just like being every game to be for the last probably ten years and under Martin O'Neill in the last while, nobody enjoyed watching the games, including me. And we're all just really excited to actually be there and, and watch this new team hopefully do well. Yeah, it pained me the last year. People think I, I, you know, you have to be critical of the team and the way that's the, the way it's gone. I got zero enjoyment from that. I, th- I think it was like everybody else coming towards the game. Certainly, the last few months, it was like it needed to change. And, and you're right, there is a feel good factor around it now. Some people will 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 kind of criticise the way the appointment came about, the arrangement between Mick, Stephen Kenny, etc. But there is an air of positivity around it. We're going into it. I think Declan Rice would just top that off very very nicely. But we're going into it now where there is going to be general optimism going to that stadium in March um, and I'll be very confident we'll have six points on, on the board by the end of March Yeah you're on there. that's what I call sport at 98 FM it's Jamie Moore here and Keith Andrews now Keith you were in a bit of hot water this week with Leeds fans on Twitter uh, for those who we've spoken on the show on Sunday uh, the Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa sent a spy to the Derby training ground to watch Derby training on Thursday of last week they beat Derby 2-0 on Friday they're top of the championship and the uh, Argentinian manager was interviewed by Sky Sports at the station you were working for and just said, yeah, it was me. I'm to blame. It's not illegal. I've been doing it since the World Cup. I'll keep doing it. And Frank Lampard wasn't too impressed. Neither were you. Um, in your experience over the years, Ireland and all your clubs, did you ever come across like, like it does go on. I know the UCD manager, um, Kylie O'Neill tweeted on the other day. It was very funny saying, when I was a coach in 2005 of Dublin City, the manager sent me to spy on Shamrock Rovers in the AUL. I hid in the bushes. We beat them in the playoffs. We changed the team as a result of seeing the training session. And then Dr. Seamus Kelly, who's a, yeah. a psychologist, replied to go, in the olden days in Alsa and the AUL here in Ireland, every ex-scout was out walking their dog, watching the other teams train. And so it has gone on, but just the admission was mad. I just can't, I can't get over it. I can't get over what people find it acceptable. I really can't. Where, where we would have experienced something like that would have been the international games where you're training at the, the, the teams, yeah. the away games you're training the night before. And... You couldn't do any tactics. You couldn't do any set pieces. It was the same when we when I was working with the underage teams. When you're trying, you'd always be wary. You'd have to do it in a room like this where you're behind closed doors. So, for it to happen in a English Championship game, home training ground where someone's caught with binoculars, I find bizarre. I really do. And look, to the letter of the law, it's not illegal. He hasn't broken any rules in the in the rule books with the FA, the EFL. It's not, it's not right. It's not right. And he doesn't need to do it, in my opinion, because he's that much of a student of the game. It's not as if he's cutting corners. I would imagine he studies Derby, every opposition, every second of every game. He knows exactly the way they play. Derby don't flip between the different systems. The only thing he would have found out that day was that one of the players wasn't back from injury. There's not a lot to gain. Little marginal gains. It, it certainly affected Derby more, though, in terms of the performance. But, um, yeah, Leeds fans wouldn't be too keen on me. Yeah, now you work in the media and you're, you're used to stick as a player, of course, but now that you're a journalist and, and a pundit, do you listen to or care either what fans on Twitter think of you or also are you aware of what you're saying about maybe ex-teammates who are still playing or ex-managers or, you know, if you're asked about Trapatoni or whoever it might be, managers you, you manage, do you have to be careful what you say because you're worried what they might think of you or do you just say what you feel and, and who cares what people think? Uh, no, I don't, I don't care. Um, I'm not on any social media, so I don't know so it's news to me. But I just know from bumping into fans here and there, why do you not like Leeds? Why do you not like Bolton? Why do you? It's not that I don't like them. I, I actually say a lot of complimentary things about Leeds and the way that Bielsa has played this year and ex-players, players that I've played with. 
doing Ireland games isn't easy because it's the only team that I care about. Um, but I sleep very well at night because I'm honest. I give my honest opinion. I don't sit on the fence. I don't say what people want to hear. I don't expect everybody to agree with it. That's their prerogative. But um, I don't lose any sleep over it, no. Keith, finally, how is life living back in Dublin? I know you're in the UK quite a lot doing media stuff, but you lived in England for, God, how many years were you in England 21 for? 21 years. 21 years, and you're now back, I think, living in Hoth as well. Are you happy to be back in Dublin, and, and you know, you're in the next part of your career now after being a footballer, quite busy with the media stuff? Yeah, enjoying it. Really enjoy the balance. Um, nice being back. Nice spending more time with family, friends, away for a long time, obviously. So just even something as simple as, as Christmas time, being able to have friends and family over to our house, in Dublin doing the usual bits and bobs he would be able to do still obviously enjoy working and how I do in Dublin with off the ball with Virgin going over and watching the games particularly with Sky I love doing that um, still passionate about it slightly missing being involved coaching wise in some capacity um, whether that'll feature up again I'm not, not quite too sure but um, yeah loving living in Dublin again Was it something that you were aware of when you were coming towards the end or maybe when you're in the middle of your career of coming back to Dublin because I don't know who I was talking to recently some Irish footballer who was saying I thought I was going to come home but when I had my kids and my miss in England I stayed there and I'm now working doing stuff over there were you always one who wanted to come back to Dublin and that part of home was always still in you? No, not really because I was fully focused on coaching at the time playing obviously then player coach coach was fully engrossed in that it was only when I left MK Dons as a coach um, and I took some time out I was doing the pro license. I was doing a bit of media work in Ireland. I was spending more time in Ireland, Dublin with my family. And that opportunity and spending more time day to day rather than just the usual coming back for a weekend, coming back for a night or international trips when I was playing, you're never really engrossed in it. You're just kind of to and from. You're just in airport. So spending more time at home just made me realise that, you know, with family, obviously mum and, dad, mum and dad getting a little bit older, aunties, uncles, etc. It was nice to spend a little bit more time at home and take a little bit of a step away um, so yeah, we've we've thoroughly enjoyed being home. Keith, lastly, one piece of news today: Martin O'Neill looks like he's going to be the next manager of Nottingham Forest. His stock is a little bit damaged, I'm sure, from his time with Ireland. But his former club have looks like they've decided to to give him the managerial range. Your, your thoughts on, on his prospects of doing well? They're ninth in the championship, so they're not in a disastrous position. But they are changing from Ayira Karanka, who's a you know a foreign manager who likes mm. passing football, to Martin, who, as we've seen in Ireland, was a little bit more direct. Yeah, it's. It's a massive opportunity for him because people will look at it might not realise the finances that have been spent on players in the last 12 months. A wealthy owner, got serious ambition to get that club promoted and stay in the Premier League. They are one of the sleeping giants. I think it's a really good opportunity for him. But you're right, in terms of Karanka leaving, that relationship had deteriorated between him and the owner. Karanka, in, in terms of how he prepares teams, the detailed preparation, that's what those players will be used to. That's what most players are used to now. Even at championship level, we spoke about Bielsa at Leeds, the level of detail they get, the way he's improved players. Martin, of course, will have a transfer window now if he goes in. One in the summer, if he doesn't get over the line or get into the playoffs, but it's a big, big opportunity for him to, to rebuild his reputation. He obviously feels himself that he still has it because I'm sure the fact he was sacked by Ireland or left, you know, his bank balance would have massively improved with that payout and stuff. But he, he clearly and he obviously feels he has something left to offer and maybe a point to prove from his point of view as well. Yeah, I, th I would imagine so. And I would imagine from his perspective, it hasn't sat well with him, the, the level of criticism. There's, there's a stark contrast to the thoughts on Martin O'Neill in, in England compared to where we are here in Ireland and Dublin because the, the general train of thought in England would be, well, he didn't have the players. 
what else could he do? I certainly didn't buy into that. I had a lot of sympathy for the players in terms of what they were getting. I felt let down by the management team. Um, so that would be the train of thought in England, how well it's been received by Nottingham Forest fans, I don't know. Um, but there will be the, some, obviously, with the romantic notion of him coming back to the club he'll get them all around he's a he's a clough clown let's be honest in terms of how he goes about things but players requirements now are very very different to when he first started managing um, but it's a big job big big opportunity and realistically he should do well he should be getting towards the playoffs Keith Andrews thanks a million see you buddy 98 FM now that's what I call sport get the full show every Sunday morning from 9 only on 98 FM